All right, playboys and playgirls, now that the hot boy, hot girl summer is over, and y'all know it's the, we're going into the fall, and y'all are going to need new backpacks for school, work, and yes, even the gym. So our, we have partnered with Muslim Backpacks in order to give you guys a new backpack that can actually be styled into three ways. It can be carried as a regular backpack, a duffel, or even, guess what? You guessed it, a gym bag. And with our discount code, WRYH10, you can receive 10% off of your first purchase when you head over to Muzum, that's M-U-Z-M-M, backpacks.com, and make your first purchase. Once again, that's M-U-Z-M-M, backpacks.com. Let them know that Lonnie and Marla sent you. Now let's get into this show. to another installment um we're back for another week and um y'all need some raising and some judging this week um i am your host lonnie and i'm your co-host just marlin what up y'all just marlin <laughs> and welcome to another installment of who raised you host podcast um oh i always think of like a pink one to start the episode off and I'm going to go with the good book of a classic R&B trio that's female. Okay. Um, they're everything in life and more. They're actually one of my favorite R&B groups ever. Okay. Um, so, you're going to have to pick. Uh, these three songs, which would you prefer? Uh-huh. <laughs> Weak. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with someone... And then I'm also gonna go with um, right here, the Human Nature Remix. Last one, of course. Uh, everyone is gonna choose that one. Yeah. Everyone, one, everyone is gonna choose that one. You have common sense. And you love music. The Right Here Human Nature Remix is everything by SWV. It is iconic group. I love it. Iconic. Um, before we get into the shenanigans, a scroll on for this week. 
we must take a moment, a drastic, dramatic, climatic moment. Mother of dramatic of black dramatics, a staple, a pillar, a pioneering woman, an iconic, legendary actress. Timeless beauty. Ageless, timeless, everything in life and more. Jesus. We got the news on Friday that Diane Carroll had left us, left left us in human form um, at the age of 84. It was she has succumbed to cancer. We don't know what form, I believe. Um, but it was announced that she had passed. And if you know me, that tug on my heart because I'm like, of all the actresses that are iconic, she's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. From we're not just talking, um, Claudine, which is iconic. Mm-hmm. We're not talking just Julia. We're talking sister, sister. We are talking. Of course, Dynasty. Yes. We are even referencing her role in a different world. Like literally, we. I. If you are in your th- like high in the thirties, but I'm saying at the latest, like your late twenties, you knew who Diane Carroll was. Right. Of course, the young babies didn't know who Diane Carroll was. Right. Expected fact, um, but we knew who she was. We'll always know who she is, and her work will always be referenced. Um, so to the family, I believe she does have a daughter. Um, our condolences. I will always, always go back just to watch um, her play Whitley's Mama. Yes. Iconic and classic material. And of yes. course, Jasmine Guy, of course, spoke out and said something um, and shared, of course, a picture of her, Diane Carroll, back when she was on A Different World. And it was definitely sad to watch. I'm going to just, I have one, one quick suggestion. One, do not have random people tribute her. As you know, award season is right around the corner. If I don't see Billy B. Williams or anybody that she has worked with, like John Crawford, I don't want to see anybody else tributing her. If you have not worked with her, I don't want to see you on that stage. Of course, I would have loved to see James Earl Jones. He just might make a rare appearance just to speak about her. Right. But other than that, I don't want to see anybody else do it. Yeah. That's just where I stand with everything. And that's perfectly fine. Um, but definitely our condolences. Also, it came out that Bernie um, Sanders was hospitalized. We found out on Friday. Um, it was later on released to public knowledge that he had suffered a heart attack. So as far as his work with the campaign, I don't know where that's going to go. This right. is going to be quite interesting. Um but we already most most voters like myself mm-hmm. had um already had their doubts about Bernie Sanders. Like love everything he's for, love everything that he takes a stand against. But in the same sense, he's also up there in age. Right. So a lot of that it plays a major factor into is he really ready for this, right. or will he be around or alive in order to do so? Yeah, I mean, it's having a heart attack in the middle of. <laughs> campaign and all that jazz. I don't know. Ciao. Anywho, it is time for the debacle, um, the fuckery and the extortion of Scroll On. Um, better known extortion. The extortion. Better known as Get Your Ass Up White, white Front to Back and Flush. <laughs> it's time for Scroll On Hoes. Um, 
So before I get into the things I've written down, okay, because it's quite some foolery this week. Mm. So I think I'm going to separate the foolery from the regular scroll one. Okay. Um, I just want to call it um, Now You Know Better. <laughs> you know what? I like that. <laughs> now You Know Better. Hmm. Let's start there because I guess this is really where your sense of judging goes into character. Uh-huh. Let me take a sip of my wine because there's a lot of things that some people have said, and one is going to probably trigger you. Oh, shit. I didn't write it down. Oh. oh, I didn't write it down. Oh, I did not write it down. So, are we knocking that one out first so I can, like, come down off of it? Yeah, because okay. when you get triggered, you stay there for a while. And just I mean, a smidge. Just depends on how hard the trigger really is. I, I, I need you to be. I need you to be the Patrick's my SpongeBob, and you easily go into Squidward territory. I mean, you know, I'm very complex, so these things happen. But let's see, what, let's see what this brings. What do you got for me? Okay, so I was um, okay. Good thing you didn't start to play. Um, I was on the Twitter mm-hmm. this morning. Yesterday, I wanted to know what the fuck was going on. Um, so let's start now. You know better from mm-hmm. Squidward. on. I need another zip of wine to get okay. it Okay. <sighs> so last week, it came out that um, Amanda Seals mm-hmm. was denied access to a, um, a, the only Black Emmys party for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, she went on her Instagram live to display to detail exactly what happened the night of, and basically she was saying that um, it was a white woman that was letting her know that she couldn't get in, so she demanded to know why she can't get in, who made the call for her not to get in. Right. This is where the shit gets interesting. Okay. So, let me see if I can pull up the article. Oh my god. Because this is, like, you would think um, that things would get better. It just went from better to I'm up worse. Mm. Um, just give me a second. I'm just trying to find an article so I have the right references. They talked about it yesterday. So, this article is coming from Madame Noir. Okay. If you're familiar. Um, and I'm going to read as follows. We told you, we told you last week that comedian and secure actress Amanda Sills found herself unsubmissively escorted out of the Black Emmys after party. At the time, the un- at the time, uh, at the time that the unfortunate event happened, Amanda blamed on a white woman named Kiara. While speaking on her podcast Small Doses this week, though, she changed her tune and said it was a black woman instead of who instead of who denied her at entrance to the very black event. <laughs> the same woman happens to be the publicist for Insecure creator and actress Issa Rae. Whoa! In the episode. Um, side effects of professionalism part one Amanda says she wants to address the situation which went viral in order to process, excuse me, process the damage in doing so she outed Issa's publicist Vanessa Anderson as the woman who caused her so much drama two weeks ago Vanessa is the woman who started the Black Emmys party to celebrate Black Hollywood according to Amanda we are not friends she's never been nice to me ever she said she also has a 
heartedness and always seemed to be bothered simply by my demeanor and my um my way of communicating with her etc at that at a certain point it became well it's not someone i need to speak to because i don't work for her she doesn't work for me there's no need for there's no reason for us to interact for all intents and purposes so we don't interesting Digest that. We continue. However, they have to interact one in one way or another for Amanda to gain access to the party. She we encountered that last year's Black um, Emmy party, which she came with Jill Scott to. She also had a hard time getting in. She tried to get Vanessa's attention to fix the situation. She claims the woman went off, went off on her. Amanda, nobody has time for this right now. She claimed Vanessa yelled at her. I don't have time for this. Amanda said she was confused, as there were a number of other people by Vanessa's response. Nevertheless, she was able to get into the party with the help of someone else. After the uncomfortable incident, she was she addressed Issa about Vanessa's issue with her, um, saying she's not nice. She's not nice. She's just nasty. She told Issa that needed to be a layer of civilism of civilacity. Excuse me between them at least. But Issa didn't feel it was, feel it was her place to get involved. Hmm. Issa said, yeah, I mean, that's between y'all. She said, she re-encountered. <laughs> Great impersonation. This is her, exactly. This is her party and it's not my jurisdiction to tell her how to treat you at her party. Fair. Very fair. She left it at that last year. Jesse Williams invited her this year and at the HBO after party. Gag. At the HBO after party, she was telling all the black folk who she could find about Vanessa's party, planning, thinking she would gain access. As we know, things didn't go as hoped. When she reached the door, the young woman, Kiara, said she couldn't come in and that she wasn't on the list. I saw Vanessa outside and had a conversation with her, and I didn't think anything about anything of it. She said it was interesting to see that this happening because it seemed like an echo of the year before. Janet Jackson's manager even tried to get Amanda in, but she still said she wasn't on the list and it was a no. When, listen, when she first started to air her grievances on her Instagram story, after Elijah Kelly ended up helping her get in the way in, which the woman Kiara was not okay with. I'm going to stop there because I remember all of the, where this all went left. So, Basically, without saying so, she's kind of blaming Issa for this. In retrospect, Issa has nothing to do with this. Absolutely nothing. It's though, yeah, she works for Issa. Issa cannot pull her rank and say, get her into the party. It's not hers. Right. And then in retrospect, also it came out um, Sharonis Jackson. Y'all know who Sharonis is, girl. I don't know who that is. Draw. Oh, okay. There he we basically go. said you can't be a bitter ass person and then expect people to want to hang around with you. Sit it out. Now, this leads me to the fuckery that took place yesterday. Oh my gosh. Is this supposed to be. Okay, never mind. Keep going. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is literally some shit. And I'm so glad this post is still up. So, a comedian in the West Coast, um, in the LA circuit, his name, I'm assuming, is going to be um, Quincy Jones. His Twitter handle is LLQJ206. Okay. He put out a tweet, and his tweet is rather shocking. Give it to me. Amanda says is a bitter, toxic woman who who got ran out of NYC for her attitude. 
She moved to LA and changed nothing, and I befriended her when she came. She said I faked my cancer. Fuck her, and I hope karma catches her before I do, because I owe her a fucking fade on Crip in capital letters. Oh. Now, this tweet sent a bunch of people in the LA circuit telling the truth about Amanda and how she is and how she's really arrogant in person. Mm. Now, and even it went so as far as like there was somebody that worked at a Jamba Juice that said no, basically had shared her Insta story that Amanda had came to the store and she thought that people were going to gravitate toward her. Like, aren't you the girl from Insecure? Right. And then they said when it didn't happen, she started like basically she was already getting nasty with the cashier anyway. And she said and summed up everything that I felt. I can admire your work, but that doesn't mean I have to like you as a person. There you go. And that out in that with, because that's exactly what it is. If you have a mean spirit, nine times out of ten, people can fish it out. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, a lot of people brought up a lot of instances where she has been wrong, just horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. She accused two men of sexual assault, or basically sexual harassment, excuse me. And she was basically found, she got exposed that that's not the case. And they just so happened to be two athletes. Whoa. Now this whole thing, I'm like, I'm glad people are isolating Issa from this because what Issa said and she set the tone. I have nothing to do with this. This right. is between the two of you. Yes, she works for me, but that is between the two of you. I have nothing to do with this. Hmm. Basically, in the words of my girl to me, um. Tanisha from North Carolina. I'm a rich bitch. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for these sheets. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, I'm going to let you decide my next topic. Mm. <laughs> We're going to play Itty Bitty Mighty Bow. How about oh that? Oh my one? gosh. Yes. Um, do you want to hear about the um, the newly, the new Caucasian woman or do you want to hear about um, Baby Mama IG Wars? Oh just get the ratchet out of the way. The baby mama IG was. <laughs> so, future. <laughs> Will someone please, please, please just put a lock on that dick? Please put a lock. Oh my. Oh, what now? What now? A chastity belt. Like, I promise you, I've never said this about a grown man. He needs a chastity belt. So, there is a woman. Um, this is not news, really. Um, there's a woman that basically uh, says that she had, oh, excuse me, hold on, computer problems. So basically, it's a woman that claims that she has, she's recently had Future's child, but Future is denying that it's his child. Really? So he is going on Instagram taunting her, and basically, she went on her Instagram live to basically say, it's not, like, I'm not looking for money. I was, in all honesty, I'm not like this is far beyond money. This is just this is your child. Take care of your responsibilities. Basically, after that, he um like basically is flaunting one of his other children's mother in her face, which is Joy, who's also Bow's baby mother. Oh. Basically, saying that she don't have a rollie on her arm. Basically, she does she don't belong to me. She belongs to the streets. And basically, Joy showing off the Rolex, and it's just like basically after she went live, he says. Um, he gives her the, like honestly the best honestly the best advice: start a GoFundMe account and get a lawyer. Though it's passive aggressive as hell, and Lord knows this man is just toxic as toxic can come. 
he has a point. If you're claiming that this is my child and mm-hmm. I'm saying it's a possibility that I don't believe so, right? DNA test. Yeah. It's sad to say, but it's the truth. Is a DNA test required here? Like most of them, and thank God for the for for God for gracing. Sierra Princess Harris Dash Wilson now mm-hmm. with the actual intellect to get away from this mm-hmm. because my God, my God indeed, my God, you just got. Uh, I don't. Uh, my God, I just want him to go away. It that won't be happening. I'm sorry. Go away and lock that dick up and throw away the key. That's not, That's not gonna happen, sweetie. Um. Mm. I'm going to take another pick at something less serious. So there's a newfound white woman that we didn't know about. Okay. She's, she's quiet. Well, she's basically been white since we disowned her ass anyway. Um, Stacey Dash. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hear my eyes roll across the floor. It, that's why I chuckled. <laughs> so Stacey Dash recently was arrested on a domestic violence charge for assaulting her husband. Um, now the charges were later dropped. Uh, I forget the claim that they had. I really didn't give a shit to really read any further into it. Right. The part that made me chuckle and give an evil chuckle, might I add, um, was the fact that I, I'm, uh, um. On the police report, when they took her in, the arrest record, it showed it had her race listed as white. Yeah. If y'all can see Marlo's face drop. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> they had her race listed as white. Who? Okay, so I ain't never been processing no shit like that, so I'm just trying to understand. Do they self-identify or like how does that work? The police department later on came out and said that it was their error that basically they listed her as white by accident. They trolled her. That's what that is. That's a troll move right there. Get the some oh my god. I want somebody to find out who did her processing. And then I want to talk to them personally. Because I want to go, sis. Thank you. Troll her. Thank you. You troll her. Appreciate you. Troll her hard too. And it's cute. And it's cute for you. Appreciate you. Mean it. For real. <sighs> Jesus, I'm gonna leave the, the heavy for the last. Um, speaking of toxic and couples, um, Safari and Erica Bennett are expecting. Uh, Marlon is sipping his wine. I don't really think this requires much, but I just remember I'm like, um, he does like crazy women. Like, women that might be a little mentally disturbed. This is... You know what? And then she just recently tried to leave him not too long ago by, like, basically fucking up, like, knocking over roses and shit because she was in his hand, like, having a temper tantrum. Who knows? My thing is this. These reality TV folks, I can't take none of them seriously no more. Because this is clearly a storyline for the next... Because you know she's coming back to love and hip hop New York. Right. So it's like, so this is what y'all doing. So now you're pregnant and now y'all, you know, you got your spot on the show. We're going to talk about this and we're going to go through it and all this other stuff. Like, oh, okay. All right, great. Wonderful. I can't. Hope you all have a happy life. Oh, child. Beautiful child. Wonderful. Um, congratulations on order to Fetty Wap. Um, he recently tied the nut. Oh, okay. I mean, congratulations, sis. Yes, congratulations are in order. Yes, um, just don't get her pregnant. We don't need any more kids for me. Yeah, well, then there's that. <sighs> well, 
I have one more you know better. No, this actually doesn't qualify as you know better. Rec- um, recently, Wendy Williams was ordered to pay Kevin Hunter $250,000 to help him find a new home. <sighs> now... <laughs> $250,000 to help him find a new home. But you went and had a child on me. And now I got the I hate you. You had a whole affair going on islands and everything with this bitch. And now, now, you're telling a judge is ordering me to give you $250,000 to help you find a new home. That's a whole physical altercation with your son. Yes. And now I have to pay you. For you to find somewhere to live. For you to find somewhere to live. Get the fuck out of here. This is that type of bullshit. Like, and people online were so funny. They were like, well, why do people get married? I'm like, must we do that? Do we? Uh, is that a conversation y'all really ready to have? Because y'all not. <laughs> I don't think anyone is. Because the states of marriage is not the same anymore. Unfortunately, I hate to inform everybody. It's like people treat marriage now like actual relationships. They're, they're expendable. Except the only difference is it's legal opposed to just an understanding between the two of us right. and everyone in our lives that I'm with this one person. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 Um... When Stella got her groove back, should be the title of this one. Um, Adele is reportedly dating a UK rapper by the name of Grimstar. She got the black dick. Oh, I mean, <laughs> you just work a little bit, dude. You just work a little Listen, I mean, I mean, he ugly then. I mean, I mean, she confirmed it. Okay, that they are dating. She kind of put up a post of him on her Instagram. And what's his name again? Grim Star. G-R-I-M-E Star. Okay. So, yeah. He's not a bad looking fellow at all. Okay. Not a bad looking fellow. Um, <laughs> I guess I kind of breeze through this because the next two things are a little heavy. Um, I'm going to leave the real heavy one for last. Okay. Now, this technically is more of uh, you need a scolding type of session. Um, Get the switch. <laughs> so, Matthew Knowles revealed um, this week that he has breast cancer. I saw that. Um, of course, y'all know I love me, some Beyonce and Solange and Destiny Child and all of these things under the umbrella. So, this actually was kind of sad to find out. But what was sadder, and this is why I try to stay away from the shade room comments is people actually saying that he does not have breasts. Um, did we miss anatomy? Did we? Did we miss biology? Did we? Because... Last time I checked, men have breasts too soon. Yes. It's not as common with men, but it can happen. Men have breasts. Your chest is breast tissue. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Right. Why are y'all questioning how does this man have breast cancer? You know... It's times like this where y'all look real stupid. You know, where it shows that you are not paying attention to biology or anything else. No child left behind needs to be. All y'all niggas need to go back and grade. <laughs> Listen, go back and figure this shit out again. Because... A grade. It needs to be go back a grade. Stay there for a year and a half at this point, And then come back. And because 
Because the way y'all are doing things is disturbing. It's really fucked up. Like, y'all really sitting here questioning how does a man have breast cancer? Just the same way your mom, your aunt, your grandmother, anyone in the umbrella can have breast cancer. Men can have it too. It's not common no, with men. But it can happen. It can happen. Uncommon, but not impossible. Thank you. It's like with women, it's breast cancer. With black men, it's prostate cancer. Exactly. It happens. Pay attention to biology, kids. <sighs> All right. I saved the best for last. Mm-hmm. This is heavy. And I saved this for last on purpose. Okay, what we got? Child, sip your wine. Oh, shit. Yep, yep, sip it. Sip it, sip it. So this week um, was rather interesting to watch. The trial for Botham um, Jean. It came and it went. For those of you guys that need a refresher on this trial and everything around it, here's a synopsis. And I'm going to be real quick. I said, boom. I talked to you like a street dude. I said, boom. (laughs) Sis came off of work. She's a cop. Has a uniform on and everything. She goes into the wrong apartment. How someone does this is beyond me. Goes into the wrong apartment thinking that it is hers. She sees Botham Jean. She pulls out her gun thinking that she is being robbed and shoots him. He passes away from the he passes away from complications from the actual gunshots. A year later, Amber Geiger is on trial. I believe she pled not guilty. Her actual defense had argued the stand your ground law to prove that she was innocent, even though a man, a black man, might not add you, lost his life. Because you went the wrong goddamn apartment. Because you neglected to look at the actual number. And another part that's really, what really in my Darren Fleet voice behooves me is how the hell did you get in the wrong apartment and the key, actual teeth are different for each key? That's what I'm still trying to figure out. How the fuck did you get into his apartment and that wasn't even an apartment? How did the key even work? It's a a lot of things missing here. Yeah. It's a lot. Make it make sense, sis. Make it. So, sis goes on there. She goes on a crying spree and says, of course, as all people do, that she didn't mean to do it. Sis only got mad because it got this far. (sighs) Excuse me, y'all. Really? Sentencing day. (sighs) There are several layers to sentencing day that was wrong wrong on every every account wrong on every person that did this Jesus my God sentencing day comes and everyone in the courtroom all of a sudden becomes filled with emotion when Amber Geiger is sentenced to 10 years in prison which is not enough when she was found guilty of said crime Mm -hmm. Now, everyone is overcome with emotion as the verdict comes down. Now, mind you, I did mention that Amber is a Dallas police officer. She, as she is trying to gather her emotions, and of course, the fact that she has to do jail time, she is getting her hair fixed. 
and her head her head padded by a uh, by a fellow Dallas police officer who happens to be black. Um, also, Botham's brother decides that he forgives her, and he re- basically he asks if he can hug her. The judge allows it. He go as he's going off the stand. He hugs and cries and hu- and hugs Amber. The part that really got me was the judge. The judge is showing sympathy and compassion for a convicted murderer who was sentenced to 10 years in prison. She comes down. She's crying along with everyone in the courtroom. She hands Amber a Bible, which I believe is her Bible, and is all, everyone is wishing her the best. Okay. First of all, and I hate to tap dance on the race issue, but it's very pre- it's very present at this point. Right now, during the trial, it was also st- specified that there were racist text messages in her phone. Oh. In her phone, oh. but yet every person in the courtroom showing her compassion was black. I don't get it. Hmm. The Dallas, the cop, like, listen, I know good cops, I know bad cops, but I know one thing. They all stick together. They're not going to let the other fall. So you're sitting here and you have one officer already consoling you as you find out your fate. Then you have the judge console you too. Both of these are black women. All the imagery is just ridiculous. All of it. Mind you, someone opened a formal complaint against the judge for that. Praise God, because I'm like, there's no way in hell that you're supposed to show compassion as a judge like that. No, like, not on that level. That to yourself. Not on that level. Now, Bosman's brother. Everyone is like, I, this is where this is the each one teach one moment. Everyone's like, oh, why did he go down and hug her? He just like she just killed my sibling. This is the thing. Everyone's form of forgiveness looks totally completely different. different. Totally different. Me personally, you hurt one of my sisters to the point where they're deceased. I don't care about the legal system. I see bloodshed. Hmm. I'm gonna be real with you. That's just how I see it. Like one of my siblings, no, you you gonna have to go. Don't let it be my nephew. You really gotta go. But in this instance, for him, it took a lot of strength. And number one, even with how he handled it, I still have I still have concerns. Hmm. Your brother died a year ago. Mm-hmm. It took you a year to want to forgive her and hug her. This is the thing about forgiveness, right? And this is why I say this to each one, teach one moment. With forgiveness, sometimes you can forgive someone, but that does not mean they have to know you forgive them. Sometimes when it comes to forgiveness, I can forgive you to relieve myself of the emotions that came with the betrayal or the crime or whatever may have you. But what I am not going to do, I'm not touching you. That's not happening. This has been less than a year. I can't say if we're talking five. Five tops where I've been able to sit with this. This is a part of everyday life. Now I can forgive you to move on to relieve myself of this hurt and this anger. Okay. That's different. But a year... I mean, my thing is, at this point, none of us can judge his journey. None of us really know how he processed this entire thing. Mm -hmm. And it is what it is. 
there all of us are walking around and talking about what we would have done, how we would have handled it, so forth and so on. But maybe his journey is totally different. Maybe he feels a different kind of way. And a lot of us are on the outside looking in and we want justice because of everything else that has been happening around stuff like this. Sure. You know what I mean? So we are definitely in a different space than maybe he is. True. So I give him grace in the sense that he is his own individual. And if that's how you decide to deal with it, to help you like might do better, feel better, mm-hmm. get down how you live, bro. But the rest of us, many of us do not feel that same sentiment for her. We don't. Especially now, considering that the added piece to this is, I don't know if you saw it, but the man that actually reported he, her, he passed got shot and killed. He got shot in the mouth. In the mouth. In the mouth. I want y'all to sit on that for a minute. Like... In the mouth. In the motherfucking mouth. I'm just so tired. But yet, we always have to hold the we always have to hold the brunt of forgiveness or being a bigger person. We don't have to. They expect us to. And this is the sad part. We're always expected to forgive. I can forgive you for myself, but I can't to to hell if I forget. That shit ain't happening. I'm never going to forget how you hurt me. I'm never going to forget how you betrayed me. I'll never forget the, what you did to make me feel this way. This is really unfortunate. It was a senseless act of violence. Yes. Yeah. Senseless. So you mean to tell me, without assessing the whole situation or taking a moment to process what the hell is going on, you just did that? Yeah. Mm. You shoot to kill. And it's like... Being a police officer, I'm sure you had other things that you could have used. That there's that. There's a taser. You could have tased person. You could have tased them. You would want a nice. A nice I don't stick. even think there was any conversation. You didn't even say anything. You just shot. Exactly. There's a nightstick. Yes. There's backing out of the apartment and waiting for your backup to come because you are a. That too. So you see somebody in your apartment, you just shoot to kill immediately. You just shoot. I mean, and, and quote unquote your apartment. And then the father feels the same way as the son does. I'm like, this is your son. How does that work? This is your son. It's the way that people deal with stuff. <sighs> oh, Jesus. Uh, it gets heavy from here, guys. Um, we're going to take a quick moment to refill our glasses and we'll be right back. Right back. Yeah, I had to go refill that good old cup. But while we're here, thank you so much for your continued support for the actual podcast. I really do appreciate it. Um, Please continue to like, which means you actually like what you heard. Rate. It helps us get us up with the rankings, especially with Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, which means you download. Don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. Would you like to keep in contact with actual conversation going on even after the podcast is released? And yes, I do check my social media handles on the regular. For Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it is WRYH Podcast. Once again, it is WRYH Podcast. I'm also looking to collaborate with other podcasters. Would you like to be on this show? Would you want me on yours? Fine. Email me at WRYH podcast at gmail.com once again it is wryh podcast at gmail.com once again thank you for your continued support and let's get back to the show i'm pretty sure my cup is full by now 
And our cups are refilled, and we are back. My cooked crack. So, mm-hmm. while talking about Botham Jean, it kind of brought me to an episode idea that I had for a while now. Um, however, when I wanted to do it, I wanted us to actually sit with a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I befriended someone on Facebook, and I was speaking with them. His name is Joseph Williams, but I know he's a social worker. Um, he, I was working with him to try and get him on the show, but due to timing and finances, I wasn't able to follow through or execute to actually do so. So we're going to do it today. We're going to get through it together. And I told Marlon to prepare to be, basically prepare something that has been a long time coming for us to talk about on the show. Um, I wanted to talk about mental illnesses um I don't like and I said it yesterday on Twitter I don't really like talking about my struggles with it because I hate the sympathy that comes with it Mm -hmm. like I hate when people try and give you what they feel is the best advice to deal with it like oh like especially when it comes to bringing religion into depression or anxiety Mm -hmm. it's like that's really not the answer to this type of situation. And it's not to be funny because I'm, I grew up in the church. Faith without works equals an empty prayer. Why are you doing it? Right. Why are you praying depression away but you're not taking any actions to cure it right. or to rid yourself of that feeling? Mm-hmm. Same goes for anxiety. It takes more than that. You have to actually put forth the work. If you're not doing that, then you're wasting your time. Right. So, who child. I want to say 2000 and actually I'm going to ask a question um, before I get into this um, because it's going to basically link into how I feel. Um, Two parts to the question. Okay. Um, And it's serious. Don't don't freak out. (laughs) One. What is the age that you feel like you're mentally stuck at? Two, what is the advice that you would give to yourself at that time to grow from it? I'm going to let you answer that question. That's a really awesome question. Something that I never thought about before even though I've been getting a lot into reparenting your inner child and things like that. That is tough. understanding the importance and the severity of that. And I'm torn because, you know what? No, I'm not. I know what age it is. Which age? Eight. Eight. Why? So, there was a boy that lived down the block from me. Mm -hmm. My great-grandmother used to babysit him and myself. Okay. And we know how that goes. Get kids together, babysitting under an elderly person. Although she wasn't that old at that point, but she was old enough to, you know, we'd be in the back room playing somewhere, whatever have you. And... He 
was the inception of my trauma because when it, when it centers around my sexuality. Okay. In the sense that we were intimate with one another, but in front of other kids, he would bully me about being gay. Ooh, child. I know that feeling. So, and that went on for years until I was at least a solid, like, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. So, that would definitely be that. that that's the age that I would go back to. Now, what I would tell Marlon at eight years old, Dollar. you are worth more. You don't. You don't have to subject yourself to people that do not show you and give you the love that you are able to give. And the love that you actually deserve. Mm. Because in that, I think about like, I think about that now as you ask that question. Mm -hmm. And it really made a lot of things clearer about my life as a whole since then. And how I value and how I view love and relationships and things like that. Like, it just blasted the doors open on that. But I would definitely go back to eight years old and tell Marlon, listen, you're worth it. You don't have to deal with that. It doesn't serve you. So you don't you don't have to take it just because you feel like you're the only one. Or you feel like this is the only person that will ever love you in that way. <sighs> yeah. Um I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna actually I'm going to say, I was going to say older, Okay. but I'm going to be honest. I feel like I'm stuck at 19. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm stuck at 19, and I say that because I feel as if I go through certain things in life, like I don't have real responsibilities, when in reality I do. Um, but on a relationship aspect, that was around the time I met the person that molded the way I look at love and relationships now. Okay. It's more like opposed to viewing a commitment or anything of the sort. I don't view it as that. I kind of, I hate that I'm kind of a pushover when it comes to that, where I'll basically allow any and everybody to step over me, especially when it comes to the aspect of love and relationships. That's how I feel. Um... What I would say to myself at 19 is put a standard. Put a standard as to what you will and will not allow. Mm. Put a standard as far as to stop feeling like you're not enough or that you have to consistently fight for attention when it comes to people. And that's kind of, it molded. It still is how I look at things now. Mm -hmm. And it sucks because it's like Yes, I rant and rave a lot about my experience with dating culture, but in reality, me around, I want to say from 22 all the way up until about 26, 27, I was a club head. Mm. Anybody that knows me knows this. I would go out at least once a month or twice, like every pay period, I would go out. And I would spend on average between 80 to $100. Like, 
the outfit, whether it was a shirt or the jeans, it was new. I have big feet. I hate buying shoes. Uh, anything with her. Um, struggle, baby. Look, you ain't got the 14 struggle. I got the 13 struggle, though. At least you can still find shoes in the store. Whatever. It's Any, still a struggle. Anywho. This ain't no pissing party, okay? What you're not going to do? <laughs> We're just going to love on each other regardless. Period, Pooh. So, I went from that to being, like, extroverted every two weeks to when I first... Well, I wanted to say when I had my very first anxiety attack. Mm. Baby... I will never forget my first anxiety attack. I was working inside of a law firm as a contractor at the time, and I was on my way home from work. And it, honest to God, felt like I was about to have a seizure. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what to do. I felt like I could not breathe. Mm -hmm. And I just knew I needed to get off of public transportation. And even when I got the fresh air, I still felt like I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, did I, I think I got in the Uber that day to get home because I just felt that horrible. And by the time I actually got home, all I wanted to do was sleep. Right. And it didn't stop there. It kept coming. And it got to a point where I would feel my anxiety and I know what it feels like. And I know about feeling fully anxious. And then around that time also, I was going through a process where I was in between homes. I was staying with family, but I didn't have real privacy. And it was a lot of shit mm-hmm. that I was going through at that time. So that's when um, the depression kicked in, to be brutally honest with you, was when I lived on the other side of Elizabeth. Um, it was more so I felt stagnant. I felt like I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I felt like I, was, I honestly felt like I was a failure. Gotcha. Like most of the times, and he didn't know this. Sometimes, literally, when I would see Tim and Marlon, I legit would blow money just to get out the house, like because I didn't want to be there. Like I would literally take an Uber from where I lived in Elizabeth all the way to Jersey City. Mm. Now you know that is not cheap. Not at all. And Shit. I did not care because I was like, I'm not staying in this house. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. Like, mind you, I would going to going from my house to over there. I would spend about fifty dollars. That's both ways. That that's I'm lying. That's for both trips, basically. So, like this go around is more so like you want to date, you want to do different things, and it's more so. It's beyond dating for me. It's just everything around me. I just feel stagnant almost, and. Yesterday, I remember I said it. I was like, today for the first time, depression one. I didn't want to leave my house mm-hmm. the whole day. I did not want to leave my house. Legit was in bed, slept, ordered something to eat, ate, went right back to sleep. And people will never understand what that feels like or what, how do you have to go through it. It's like kind of like you have to come out of it on your own. I finally have a point to where my depression, I can manage it. Mm-hmm. Not even my depression. I'm so lying. My anxiety, I finally got at bay. Gotcha. Now, the real question I have is at some point, did you self medicate? Now, I'm going to define self medication for people that do not understand. And I promise you, this is the most transparent anyone will ever hear me. 
when I say most, when I say self-medicate, that means, yes, ladies and gentlemen, marijuana. Okay. Now, a lot of people, when they have, of course, as we all know, therapy is not cheap. No, no, it's not. Therapy is not cheap. <laughs> no, the fuck it's not. But look at it. I want y'all to hear me out. And I'm, I'm, for people that suffer with mental illnesses, I say this to say, I say that to say this. If you cannot afford therapy, and therapy is a solid anywhere from between a hundred to two hundred and fifty dollars per session. We're not talking a one-time fee. We're talking per session. And that's if you have the blessing of having insurance cover a majority of it. Yeah. It's still that much to pay for a session. And most therapists want you to meet every two weeks, not every month. Exactly. Yeah. It is a bitch. But then when people look at the option to self-medicate, you have the versus spending under $50 to get marijuana versus spending 100 to $250 for a therapist. And keep in mind that self-medication is not limited to extracurricular activities such as drugs, marijuana, drinking, and things like that. It's really not. self Because my self-medication was totally different. <laughs> what was your self-medication? Sex. You know what? Okay. Um... For me, I like I said, being utterly transparent, it became to where it, for me it was marijuana. But what got me out of the habit of making it a habit was the thing that people didn't teach me about was the strands. Mm-hmm. So I, because my anxiety is high functioning, I can't have sativa mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. Sativa is not it for me. If it's not Intica, I am no good to you. Mm. And the one thing that people that smoke don't will never tell you that smoke or do edibles, whatever may have you, they will never ever tell you about a bad trip. Damn. They will never tell you that yes, ladies and gentlemen, that shit can happen. Hmm. Contrary to belief, it can happen. And the worst part about it was it happened to me. Well. In public. Okay? Need I say more? This is what I'm saying. Do you feel as if self-medicating is a safe alternative until someone can afford therapy? That's really hard to say because there's two sides to that coin. There's a side that says, yes, it's a safer, safer, quote, unquote, alternative until you can afford getting the actual help Mm -hmm. because everyone needs something to help them get over that hump. You know what I'm saying? But the opposite side to that is the dark side to those self-medication processes. Yes. Yes, God. Because it begins to harm you in different ways that you weren't really expecting, but you're so busy trying to suppress all of the things that you're trying to get away from. I can't get to a therapist. I can't afford one right now. But what I can afford is this weed, I can afford this blunt, or what I can afford, depending on who it is, I can afford to get this bump real quick. Child, anybody doing that? I can afford to go get me some tea real quick, or I can afford to go cruise and give me some dick real quick, but all of those things come with consequences. Larger consequences, triggering consequences, that so, can send you deeper into the hole. 
when you were self-medicating for using sex, how often was it a necessity for you? I can't say that it was every day, mm-hmm. but it was often. Like it got to the point, because that's back when I was living at home in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like I was cruising bad. Bad. Define was, cruising for the girls that don't know what it so is. So for the people that don't know, cruising is basically looking for anonymous sex in public places. I.e. department store bathrooms, parks, parking lots, parking garages, um, all those different types of things. They're all around you. You're just not aware if you're not in it. But, yeah, so that was my thing. I couldn't go, I couldn't go downtown Chicago and not go cruise. I couldn't. I would have to. Every time I went, I would have to. Like, and I was battling myself inside, mm-hmm. literally knowing that I would be going for one thing, and I was telling myself, go do what you came down here to do. Don't go cruise. Don't go cruise. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I wasn't doing it anyway. It is just... Like, you know what? I feel like any type of self-medication it normally leads it can lead to self, to addiction yes and that is also another thing that you want to be care- be careful of like with me and dealing with and trying to suppress anxiety i've learned i need to space it out right now the one thing i will say here is that i the stories i have glass wine after work or two mm-hmm. That's all you gonna get out of me. Hard, li- like full blown hard liquor drinking, all that stuff. That's parties to me. Home is wine. Okay. Anybody that knows me, I have always have wine on deck. If I do not have wine, there's a problem. But I also know when I can go without it. There's some things I won't drink at all. It's just it's having that discretion to know what, like to know what's what. The problem that I have. And this is off top this not even off topic. The problem that I have is I'm the type of person where my friends come to unload on me. Mm-hmm. And I always end up with the burn of sick. Like I'm also, though, let me tell you I don't have problems. In reality, I do. Right. I just don't talk about them. Why? Because I feel like no one will understand. Mm-hmm. And I've always had that. And then one thing that my mom always used to tell me when I was a kid, um, it's, oh, you're so selfish, you're so selfish, you're so selfish. And like a lot of times people don't understand by re-repeating that into a child, technically you're embedding the trait into the child. Yeah. Like, you, the child becomes everything that you said you don't want them to be. Right. Like, oh, you're selfish, you're selfish, you're selfish, you're selfish. You're embedding it into the child. Because I grew up to be selfish. I grew up to be selfish. <laughs> I grew up to love my own space. I grew up to where I can I'm comfortable with seeing my family once a week. Mm-hmm. That's just how like yes we speak probably like once or twice once a week, but I can see them once a week and be okay. Mm-hmm. But it's just when self medicating, ladies and gentlemen, please beware. It can turn into an addiction if you do not have the proper tools to know when to cut it. And I've learned that. I've learned to cut it or to have moderation when it comes to it. And at the same token, 
it's still hard to deal with. It's hard to talk about. And it's just a lot of like there's a lot of layers to whenever someone deals with depression and anxiety. My problem is I have an issue with saying how I feel. And I'll allow how I feel to be secondary to make another person feel okay. Right. Yep. And then what ends up happening is I turn into a soda bottle. Now, everyone understands the theory of the soda bottle. The soda bottle, basically, you fill it up, you fill it to capacity until it can't take anymore. And then what do you do? You shake it. <laughs> this technically kind of could be called anxiety, too. You shake the soda bottle. Mm-hmm. You shake that shit up. All you see is fizz. All you see is fizz. But by the time that bad boy finally opens, explosion. it's over. Yep. It is over. And I have the worst habit of doing that. When it comes to how I feel, I will literally let it flow, overflow, and it's the worst. Yeah. The fucking worst. <sighs> oh, that was quite a bit. Yeah. That was quite a bit. Is there anything you wanted to add? Because technically this ties into the self-care topic. I mean, right. the, the self-care topic of the week. Not that I really wanted to add. I think that... um. Many of us are dealing with all different types of mental issues that we're not addressing. And I want to encourage people to navigate and explore those things and stop ignoring them. Yes, God. Because there are a lot of us that are out here ignoring them because of several different reasons. We've been indoctrinated to believe that religion will take us over all of these things that we don't have any mental health issues that and a, a lot of us have been conditioned to believe that having mental health means that you are crazy that's not true that is so far from the truth that is not true so far everyone that, on this earth can benefit from some sort of mental therapy mm-hmm. psychologists mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it counseling all of us can benefit from it. We all really need it. And I just want to encourage people to really like navigate those things because you'll be surprised what having a licensed, unbiased professional talking to them and getting out all of your shit that you don't tell anybody that you only think about in the dead of night and hope that no one sees you because you feel like they might see what you're going through. Mm. To have a conversation with someone like that and get those things out and really sort out all of the dark shit that you try to avoid helps you so much. We have to be willing to do the work. And if you don't do the work, you keep going in the circle further and further down the rabbit hole. And it's it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. We all deserve happiness. We deserve to be joyful and free to live happy lives and to not be riddled with shame, guilt, depression, anxiety, all those things. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's my addition. Ladies and gentlemen, I have one thing I need to add. Um, we're going to be really quick, I promise. Um, so, on um, October the 11th, Yes, God. October the 11th, someone over here is going to be an old fart. 
not gonna be an old fart. Thank you so much. Old farts. Whatever. Old fart. Never. Now, exactly how old are you gonna be turning again? I will be thirty-seven. Okay. Old fart. Whatever. <sighs> Never. Listen, Marla has me by about five years. <laughs> You're old fart. Not an old fart. You're old. Whatever. You're old and you fart. Whatever. You're old and you fart. Um, what I will announce to you guys is, I believe, for the next two episodes. Two. One or two? One. One. Marla will not be here. Yeah. Um, so next week, I have a bit of a surprise. But it's not going to be a surprise. I'm going to let you guys know now. Um, you can raise your glass to this. Aaliyah will be coming back for one episode. <laughs> so next week, Aaliyah will be here with me <laughs> while Marlon is out of town. Yes. Being an old scallywag. That means two. Huh? That means two then. What do you mean? next weekend too. We discussed that. Yes, we did. Yes. Yes, we did. And we're going to have a quick conversation before you leave. Oh, God. Okay, great. Yeah, because I'm going to let you have it off okay. air. Well, I'm let you have it off air. All right. Okay? Okay. All right? Love you, mean it. I'm going to slap you. <laughs> so then, see you guys next week. And say happy birthday to Marlon, the old fart. Whatever. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.